Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds. Welcome to the Nerd Association podcast from the WBNS studios here in Columbus. I'm your host, Mark Finch. And I'm your other host, Daniel Barnett, here on Nerd Association. We like to prove that just because you have a cool job, it doesn't make you cool. And actually, we are joined by our very first guest today on Nerd Association. Uh, you can catch him on weekdays on the Common Man and T-Bone radio show on 97.1 The Fan in Columbus. He's also a friend of ours. Uh, this is J.D. T-Bone Smith, and uh, we're going to be talking today about uh, something uh, very nerd-related, and uh, but it requires a little bit of a prelude. So, uh, Mark, what about uh, what are we starting here today on Nerd Association? So, what we're going with today is we're going to talk about movies as one of our mainstays on this podcast, and today we're going to talk about a movie that maybe you've seen a lot. So, the way we're going to phrase it and the way we're going to put that out to you is we're going to go with leftovers. Okay. So, this is our leftovers segment. And we're going to go with a movie that you've seen a lot, and we're going to talk about it, and then we're going to see how good it is as a leftover and rate it based on what type of food can warm up in the microwave Got it. better. Based on how well it reheats. Yes. Okay. Now, uh, let's go ahead then. And T-Bone, what, what are we going to be talking today? What movie are we going to be talking about today? Well, guys, what do you think of when I say the film The Rocketeer? What what does that evoke inside of you? What do you think of when I say the Rocketeer? Beyond that, I just watched it last night. Um, <laughs> How convenient that yeah, you just watched that job. Perfect, That's awesome, good um, for you. The first thing that comes to my mind after watching it is Iron Man Light. Okay. Oh, very good. I like that. I think we should do alternate titles when you do these <laughs> leftover films because the alternate title I had for it was Depression Era Boba Fett. So <laughs> it's whatever you want to do. But I, I also like I like the Iron Man thing. That's good. Now, I will say I think I saw 30 minutes of The Rocketeer when I was four years old on the Disney Channel. And so mm, and I yeah. intentionally didn't watch it because I wanted to I wanted to come into this as clean as possible so to speak and get mm. your impressions of it right um, because i know you know uh mark I, I think this is a movie you've seen a time or two but isn't necessarily one of your favorite films and, and was not fresh in my mind right this, seeing it this time was a complete almost completely blind to it without i mean i knew the general plot but not really remembering anything and the only thing i like i said i remember about it is that it is a steampunk film kind of before steampunk films were a thing correct yeah. Um, and I seemed to remember, is Timothy Dalton in it post-Bond? Timothy Dalton is in it. Okay. And that, I will tell you, I think, if, if, if I can try to sell the audience on watching this, if Please. you've not watched it in a while, I, I would recommend maybe pausing the podcast here, finding <laughs> some time. No, seriously, go yeah, watch yeah. this movie and then come back to this. Because if you've not watched it, or if you haven't watched it in a while... There's a lot of fun things that we can look into with this, but I would tell you, if I'm trying to sell you to get you to watch it before you pause the podcast, I would say the casting in this movie is way better than you would expect for something that was put out by Disney at that time that was going to be kind of marketed as a tweener movie. It's a kid's movie, but it's got plenty of stuff for adults. It's live action. There's some cool special effects for the time. It was a PG movie. It wasn't PG-13 or R. So it, it, I could see how a lot of people would look at that and say, oh, it's probably some cheesy kids movie. 
but at the time it it really and, and I think now even today it holds up really well. But when you hear some of the people who are in this cast, let me just run down a, a couple list of names for you because you mentioned uh, Timothy Dalton is in this. Uh, the lead is played by Billy Campbell, which. All right, so I'm not starting off with the strongest, uh, <laughs> but he plays Cliff Secord, who is our, our protagonist, our hero. Uh, Jennifer Connelly plays Jenny in the movie, so that's good. Uh, Alan Arkin plays Peavy, who is uh, one of the guys who works with Cliff. I don't know if I'd ever seen Alan Arkin with hair. I hadn't it either. It threw me off. I was like, I recognize that voice, that guy. <laughs> the, it, just everything about him seems familiar. And then I realized it was Alan Arkin, and I was like, oh, yeah, I know Alan Arkin. Is he, is he uh, spoiler alert, is he a villain in it? No. Uh, then no. that's why he has hair. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, I mean, pay attention. Watch Alan Arkin movies. If he's bald, he's the villain. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to think. Was he anyway, in spot in, in the um in the uh oh what the hell movie? Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine, he was bald. And he wasn't a villain. Oh, I I was just kind of saying he's that not, rather I, flippantly. You're wrong. I mean, how how dare you, Daniel in that movie? How we're, dare you? You know, as a nerd podcast, we're off to a good start. <laughs> we're <laughs> arguing about the uninitiated BS. person yes. <laughs> says something dumb and everyone's right. like, well, actually, actually in this one film. To be fair, in Little Miss Sunshine, he was probably just post having hair That's at that true. point, so it wasn't a choice. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and I, yeah, I mean, in who really was the villain in that movie? I don't know that there was one. And anyway, then, and then Timothy Dalton, who is yes, has to be the villain. Timothy Dalton is the villain. Okay. Yeah. And that is, I mean, again, if you haven't seen it, you'll you'll quickly. I think you can put that together for fairly quickly watching yeah. the movie. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, he plays the villain, who we will get to in a second. Uh, Paul Sorvino is in this movie. Uh, Terry O'Quinn plays Howard Hughes in this movie. Wow. Like the stuff that they actually looped in that was kind of historically relevant at the time is part of why I enjoy this movie so much. And that really is a great cat. I mean, right. Yeah. In this day and age, probably some of our listeners like, who are those people? But that was a star studded cast in the day. I I guarantee you every one of those people I just mentioned, like even Terry O'Quinn, if you don't recognize him, I I mean, wasn't he lost? lost. He was lost. Yeah, that's uh, people should know him from that. But he's been in so many different things. Paul Sorvino has been in. You know, everything. Goodfellas on down, you name right. it. He's he, pretty much any mob-associated movie or thing. <laughs> you'll find a Paul Sorvino or someone who is, like... Standing cast, in for him because he because was they couldn't on get a different him, film. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and then, obviously, all the other people I mentioned, except for Billy Campbell, which Billy Campbell's an interesting uh, uh, part of this casting here. So they tried to get him, or they tried... They, they were initially out to Johnny Depp for the lead in this movie, but he was busy, I think, either with Edward Scissorhands or some other... Or Ed that Wood, time. one of the Ed movies. Yeah. <laughs> one of his many Ed movies, yes. So uh, they, the studio obviously wanted a lot of other people. Emilio Estevez tried to get this part. Um, there, were, there were a few other like big-time Hollywood actors that they tried to get who were just like Kevin Costner, who just said, no, I won't do it. Um, but then the production group and the the director really fought for Billy Campbell because they thought he's an unknown guy, but this kind of fits the story. We're not we're, we're trying to kind of cast this as like an unknown person that shows up and has this great thing happen to him, and suddenly he becomes like thrust into a hero's role. So it actually I think works really well, and he's not a bad actor. I don't know why his career never really took off, but yeah, pun, pun definitely intended. <laughs> um, it's so, interesting so, yeah. that you say that because I was sure I had like a Mandela effect moment. I was sure Brendan Fraser was the lead in the Rocketeer. 
very similar. And in yeah, fact, I, I, that, I wonder yeah. if maybe it was made a few years later if they wouldn't have cast Brendan Fraser. In yeah, it, but... it seems like based on the very little I know about it, it would be his. It would be his cup of tea. I got strong Billy Zane vibes okay. from Billy Campbell in this movie, <laughs> and maybe it's just because of Billy Zane's character in Titanic because he has that middle part. Yeah, and like they, they like they could have been brothers. Well, and then yeah. a few years later, someone watched The Rocketeer and said, "Brendan Fraser, Billy Zane, let's put them in this movie called The Mummy," <laughs> mm-hmm. which is yeah. also sort of a in that, like, uh, you know, not the the middle distance of making movies that are like, does that make sense? Yeah, it, it was in the in it's the like, like so hair. it's a far enough away that it's like you know in the twenties and thirties and folks are are, you know, your grandparents maybe have memories of it of this yeah. time that's kind of been romanticized. It wasn't yeah. the Mummy also set kind of in that yeah. time frame. And you can yeah, do, I think you're right. You can well, do alternate history without people you right. know being so up in arms about it. It's just like, well, it's. Yeah, they won't have the Rasputin problem, like <laughs> comparing them to people who may have actually lived. So anyway, so, we're well, I'm derailing, well, but no, no, no. One thing on the time frame that is actually good that you brought that up. So Disney wanted to initially make this because this was based off of a comic book that came out in the eighties, mm-hmm. The Rocketeer, and and they wanted to kind of the movie rights for this kind of bounced around for a while, and they eventually got them. Disney did and said, "What if we made this, but made him like futuristic with like a modern day setting and a NASA style outfit, and he's a spaceman." And they said, no, we don't want to do that. We want to stick to this being kind of this art deco 30s vibe, steampunk, like you said, kind of look, even though steampunk wasn't a thing right then. And and that was something that Disney initially pushed back on and said, well, what else has been successful from this time frame? Who's going to care about some character based in the 30s? And they said, are you aware of Indiana Jones? And then Disney <laughs> yeah. said, oh, Good call. So they actually let them do it because they brought up that Indiana Jones is wildly successful from a similar time frame. So and that's how they got to keep it kind of in this era. Were there ever plans to make like a Rocketeer series that was kind of the competitor to the Indiana? There, they actually had all the actors, the main uh, leads, all signed up for three movies. Huh. But unfortunately, the movie didn't do well enough in theaters right. for them to keep it going. The budget for the movie was $25 million. They actually ended up bumping that to $35 million because it ran over schedule, but they liked what they were seeing. So they said, you know what? You're on to a good thing here. We love all this. Keep you know doing what you're doing. So they raised the budget to $35 million. I think it only made $46 million. Mm. So technically, it made money, but not enough for Disney to say, cool, let's make more of this. Right. And that's, uh, that's the downfall for it. I will say one of the other things that you should know going into this is that... Uh, uh, Joe Johnston is the guy who is the director on this. And he had just come off of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which was a pretty big success and kind of fit that PG, something for the adults, something for the kids, live action, special effects. So he had a little success there. That's why he had some leeway with this Rocketeer movie. And then, of course, he went on to direct Jumanji, Jurassic Park 3. And in a thing that actually harkens back to the Rocketeer, Captain America, the first Avenger. Huh. Obviously has a lot of similarities yeah. as far as time frame and, you know, a hero kind of in that time in that era. So I think the time frame they picked actually worked in their favor, too, because it's kind of cartoony, almost campy in parts. But because it's back in the 30s and the way they the way they show the Nazis, too, is like not like total. They don't go full in 
on the Nazis, you know, they're just like generic bad. Everybody knows Nazis are bad. Right. So and that they, works in their, you know, with their, it reminded me of Jingle All the Way, actually. The scenes where Arnold Schwarzenegger is flying around on the jetpack, the green yeah. screen and stuff like that reminded me of that era. But it works here because the whole movie has kind of that feel. Right. Now, and, now, and I remember Sinbad the Nazi as well. There were a lot of similarities because they used it very much in the same <laughs> villain role. No, uh, that is a thing, though, to point out because, like, the villain in this movie are Nazis. So, if, again, if you've got kids who are like five and six and they're not, they're not really aware of how World War II was or what was going on in the world at that time, you may have to either kind of explain that ahead of time because, like, we found watching it, like my kids would, you know, be like, oh, yeah, the Nazis, they're the bad guys. And it it's not a bad right. Like they're making this in that time period. But I did find with my kids like there was a moment where I had to say, like, hey, guys, just so you know, they weren't just like Hollywood actors who wanted to like fly a blimp. You know, <laughs> I mean, they 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 were really, really bad. So it's again, you understand why they're making it this way. And as a kid growing up, I had a full understanding of, you know, like, this is awful. This is World War Two. The Nazis were evil. But just know if, if your kids are going to like, hey, why don't we play Rocketeer? You be the Nazis. Like, just make sure you kind of know that going in. You may want to stop them. Because, yeah, they do have sort of like a villain of the week type feel to them. Yes, like, here like, they come in on their <laughs> on their balloon and they, they show like, well, because the only way they see Nazis is at the end, which like, you're OK, they're the bad guys. But it's like the climax of the movie. So, of course, they're doing bad things. But it's really just with these with these characters. The only other way they really show the Nazis in the movie is actual propaganda. Oh, yes. And okay. it's a good throwback yes. to propaganda. I mean, it's really interesting. And like they, they go to a movie theater and it's just on before the movie. And it's talking about the, the blimp coming in. It's going to stop in D.C. and Chicago and then come all the way to L.A. And then that's where the climax of the movie happens. But yeah, like if you don't know, if you don't know the actual context of the history, yeah, the propaganda doesn't give you a good idea of what the Nazis actually were. Right. So, so just know that going in. I'm realizing in this moment because you're saying Nazis and I had no idea they were in this film. <laughs> Again, it was a, it's been a very long time. I did this on purpose. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to need a synopsis as, you know, as, that's as fine. succinctly as you feel like. Sure. <laughs> I, I do. I have one ready to go for you. So the Rocketeer set in 1938. It's in Los Angeles is the setting for okay. this stunt pilot. Cliff Secord is trying to fund this plane that can get him to nationals. He flies one of these little tiny uh, one seater, two wheel stunt planes that you would see doing like air races back in the day. Yeah. And he's you could get the sense that he's kind of hard on his luck, but he's trying to find a way to make this his career and be successful as a as a flyboy. Well, the mob steals something of value and stashes it on his airfield. He doesn't know this at the time. There's a big accident, a big explosion scene. The mob is involved. The FBI are involved. And he's involved. This test flight couldn't have gone worse. Yeah. He's doing a test flight, basically, and the mob are being chased by the FBI. And in the shootout, some bullets explode his engine, cause him to almost die in a crash. Uh, and then, yeah, he lives, of course, dusts himself off. And then, you know, the feds take away the mob guys and everything goes away. So they're trying to figure out a solution on how to make money and digging around to an old plane they're trying to refurbish. They find a jetpack. They test out the jetpack. They figure out they can use it. And right away, Alan Arkin's character, PV says, this is dangerous. We shouldn't touch this. And of course, Billy Campbell's character, Cliff Secord, being the guy who he is, says, no, we... 
we should we should use it if we need to or this i could i can wear it let's try to fly it you know what he is wants the to... cliff pv relationship it's got a kind of oh yeah doc so... brown marty mcfly feeling to me i think pv pv's best described he's like a mechanic at the airfield yeah and he may have flown before don't know but he works on the planes he keeps them he knows how to fix things and how to make things and you know uh cliff secord is the pilot he's the one who can do all the dangerous you know stunts and all that so as it goes there becomes a situation where someone needs rescued from the air and of course cliff secord figures this out he runs off to get the jetpack he puts on the helmet that was made uh f- conveniently <laughs> even though they weren't going to fly it <laughs> right. alan arkin makes this helmet for him pv makes a helmet for him that will help protect him and help him steer the thing he eventually figures out how to use it he saves the day and then everybody goes who's that guy what is that guy which leads to a great scene where the guy who runs the airstrip you know who's a perfect 1930s ah, nothing to see here folks one ah, of the great you know, character actors in the cigars. movie there's a ton of great character actors Especially at like the Bulldog Cafe and the Airfield. That's where you get a ton of that work by a lot of good <laughs> of actors. That, like, yeah. Hey there, welcome it's to the uh, 1930s. Yeah. Yeah. The actor is John Polito, but he has a moment where he says, they're like, what do we, all the newspaper men from the 30s, like, what do we call him? What do we call him? Rocket Man. And he's like, nah, that's stupid. And they're like, right about Rocket Boy. And they're like, that's worse. And then John Polito says, what do we call him? The Rocketeer. And they're like, oh, Rocketeer. Yeah, that's great. Good job. You know, and then they all go off. And so now he's the Rocketeer. Meanwhile, they this suddenly gets the attention of the mob who thought, okay, we've we've stashed this. We made them, you know, we'll be fine. We'll go back and get it later. Well, now they realize their their machine is missing. So now they're after Cliff Secord. Oh, so wait. So the mob has a team of scientists that has made this like fully functional jetpack. No, that's the thing. Okay, (laughs) so. The mob stole this from someone who could make such an aeronautical thing. Ah. And in the 1930s, the only person who could rightfully do that would be Howard Hughes, one of the most eccentric rich guys in the world. And of course, legendary in aviation and many other realms and for being, you know. Uh, a, a very strange character, but yeah. but they make his him perfect in this movie. Down like the jetpack works. There's a scene later where Cliff escapes and he like goes off on this like glider mm-hmm. that as he lands it takes off itself and just ke- and they make a point to cut away from the action <laughs> and they to show, show it. it keep gliding. <laughs> well, and you know what? And the glider is the Spruce Goose. Yeah, it's this giant plane that actually never flies. <laughs> and at that moment, it. The model is what he uses to escape, and you see it flying away, and Howard Hughes just is kind of staring at it and goes, it will fly. <laughs> I think he actually says, the son, of a bitch, I, yeah. the son of a bitch will fly, like that. And, it's, and so that's a great you know, reference if you can know the history of all that. So anyway, so yes, eventually what happens is it comes to the attention that, uh, that Cliff has this jetpack, and everybody's after him. Well, somehow we find that Neville Sinclair, who is an actor, who the, is the Errol... third top build actor in America. <laughs> they make that clear. They do bring that up. <laughs> Neville Sinclair, who's basically Errol Flynn. Yeah. If you are familiar with old Hollywood history, that's essentially who they modeled this guy after. Leading man, swashbuckler, you know, all the girls want to be him. All the guys want to be him. Neville Sinclair, played by Timothy Dalton. Um, so in this film, you see him working with the mob to try to get this jetpack back. The mob has apparently stolen this from Howard Hughes. And for some reason, Neville Sinclair is involved in getting this jetpack, even though that's not ex- early on abundantly clear why he wants it. And the mob doesn't really question it. They just, whoever's paying. Right? Yeah, he's so, paying. They, he wants it. They say, we don't, you know, why do you want this? And he's like, it doesn't matter why I want it. You know, you just 
get me what I need yeah, and I'll pay yeah, you, have some money. You know. Yeah. Although later <laughs> right. it becomes clear the mob will not work with one group. There, oh. Yes. So <laughs> as we go forward, again, hope you know, you've watched the highly it by this principal point. mob. Highly <laughs> yeah. principled mob. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. So as they're all searching for Cliff Secord, uh, Jenny comes into play. Jenny is his girlfriend, Jennifer Conley's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a basically an extra in Hollywood, trying to make it as an actress, and she is working on a Neville Sinclair picture. And Cliff comes to visit her at the at the set. He hijinks ensue. He accidentally knocks over a wall. It ruins the shot, and so Jenny gets fired from the movie. She's upset. Then she hears her and Cliff Secord talking about. Jenny, I found this jetpack. It's going to change everything. You got it. And she's like, I don't care. I don't, you've ruined my life. Get out of here. I don't want to talk to you. So Neville Sinclair realizes that's his connection back to the jetpack. So then he tries to woo Jenny and takes her out on a date. He spends a lot of time on like the seducing wooing of her. Like, I feel like he does. He's already Neville Sinclair, the third top billing actor in the United States. It seems like he spends a lot of time on this date and like is really t- like tiptoeing around asking her about Cliff. And it, I don't understand why he spent so much time on it. And it ends up being too much time. Yes, he he kind of does. But as it works out, uh, Jenny is suddenly recognized by some of the mob guys they're all looking for her uh cliff puts together that the mob is trying to get her and that they're working with neville sinclair he then goes and interrupts their dinner and kind of tries to get her out of there it starts to become apparent at some point in the movie here that uh neville sinclair is working for some much larger group and there's a shot where eventually Cliff goes and tries to save the day. He tries to rescue her with the jetpack. Doesn't work out. But he does tell her and he gets to her and says, you need to go as far away as you can. Go to your mom's house. Get away from here. Uh, because he realizes he's, you know, the the mob is there. They're going to, you know, try to get him. They're going to try to, everybody's trying to get him. He's trying to get her out of there so she doesn't become a pawn in this game. And of course, Neville Sinclair doesn't allow her to do that. He kidnaps her. Old school uh, yeah, use of chloroform in ooh, this movie. Yeah, straight up puts the chloroform on her face. Again, I mean, very Errol Flynn, if you're aware of his history, because <laughs> yeah. he's been accused of some things. So Yikes. anyway, uh, so she's back at Neville Sinclair's house, and she finds a little bookcase that has the false you know, book that you pull out. It swaps mm-hmm. the thing out. I thought this was funny, because the scene right before that... He's still trying to woo her. Neville is. And oh, yes. he, he uses a bunch of lines from his movies and she keeps pointing out, well, that's from this. That's from this. Yes. She recognizes the line. And then it's of course he has a, a trick bookcase because he's just a, <laughs> he just thinks he's a character from his movies. Right. And yes, that's what course. movie characters have. Right. And so she goes Wait, you down. Mean and, you guys don't have trick book. Uh, I'm going to get uh, that in my the, new apartment. My old one, but I'm getting one. I'm just having, it's on order from Amazon. Gotcha. So, Anyway, she figures out she finds a radio in his you know bookcase room and suddenly hears German being spoken on it and puts together that he's a Nazi. And then he she confronts him. He admits to all this. That's the exposition you need to realize, yes, you thought he was a bad guy. He is the bad guy. So although you, you probably should have known once he hired that muscle guy with the <laughs> yes. with the prosthetic face and the yes. the voice that they just pushed all the way down and he was just like this big buffoon that is also t- so there's yeah there's like three things going on throughout the whole movie where neville's chasing jenny the mob is chasing cliff and the big guy's kind of chasing all of it but he's just going to different spots so there's three people all looking for this even though neville and the big guy even though they're all working for neville basically yes. 
Yes. There are three different groups searching for it at, at the whole time. So eventually, uh, PV is brought in by the feds. He's brought to Howard Hughes, the mechanic, Alan Arkin's character. And he tells, you know, they let him in on, hey, man, this was ours. It was developed by the military. We're trying to beat the Germans to this type of technology. And they haven't been able to make one, but we did. And now it's been stolen by the mob. And that's the piece that kind of leads, you know, Cliff Secord down the road when he finds out because he comes into this meeting. They bring him in, too. The feds do. Mm -hmm. And he realizes, wait a second, Neville Sinclair is trying to steal this for the Nazis. And the mob is trying to steal this for him. And that's why they've been all after it. And then, of course, he does the thing and says, I need it to rescue Jenny, but then I'll give it right back to you. And they say, no, you can't do that, son. It's too valuable. We can't do that. We'll get her. So then that's when he escapes from Howard Hughes' hangar from the little plane and moves on. As it goes, uh, there's a big fight, a big showdown where he agrees to bring the rocket pack in exchange for Jenny. The mob is there. The feds are kind of, you know, waiting in the wings and he shows up, tries to get the girl. Hilarity ensues. And by this time, he's already like an expert with the jetpack. It of took course. him like, oh, yeah, a, it took course. him a day or two yeah. to figure out how to like, <laughs> go from, comes, I don't know how to fly to. And it almost like takes the head off of a statue that yeah. they used to test it to like he can masterfully he comes fly in and just lands perfectly. Oh, yeah. He just lands right on his feet. <laughs> just even yes. though or I think earlier, yeah, that day. He had to crash land into a lake just to stop. <laughs> yes, he did. So, uh, of course, there are some liberties you have to take with this movie. As it ends up going, uh, before they get to this point, there is a firefight that has happened at one other point where a bullet ricochets off the thing, but it puts a little hole and there's a fuel leak. <laughs> Again, of this course. is a part of the movie you need to know about, even though it's completely implausible that PV ends up taking a piece of gum and sticking it in the hole and pounding it in and saying, all right, that should hold for, again, something that's notably under pressure and yeah. is a fuel source and it's a rocket pack. A little piece of Wrigley's just jammed in there. That'll <laughs> seal is, the whole thing Which is thing funny off. because earlier he didn't like Billy putting gum on the like yes. the he tail put, of he the plane. He would put gum on the tail of his plane as good luck and PB would always take it off. So there's a little callback to that. Anyway, eventually they get to a point where there is a great scene where the mob and the feds are all, you know, kind of fighting. And suddenly, well, before that, I guess, Cliff mentions to the mob guys, do you like working for the Nazis, Eddie? He says that to Paul Sorvino's character. And then that's where he has his moment of saying, hey, man, I, I don't care where I, I get my money I from. I wrote it I, down. I wrote it down. Oh, what does he I say? I have the exact line. He goes, I may not make an honest buck, but I'm 100% American and I don't work for some two-bit Nazi. Yes. It's a perfect movie line from that era. Because <laughs> like, it's, it's, you're sitting this, there and you're like, even the mob doesn't like the Nazis, of course. <laughs> right. So then that leads to an eventual firefight where you see fed guys and mob guys with their Tommy guns just fighting the Germans because then a bunch of German soldiers out of nowhere just appear yeah, and it, did, i don't know where they came from they, i don't know they, either have all been on the balloon the good news was all this was shot around the griffith observatory which is really cool if you've never been there in la it's a really neat place to go but now that i like i've been there once and i was like thinking oh yeah rocketeer this is where the blimp flies over these and FBI all the germans ran out. In, is the blimp supposed to be the hindenburg or like a simulacrum no, of the Hindenburg. It's a, yeah, it's a zeppelin that is like hydrogen. If it hadn't, it, right, yeah, it's definitely it hydrogen. If it filled. hadn't gone wrong, this because I'm seeing lots of like, as you're saying, like historical liberties and like parallels to real people. Mm. So sorry, yeah. go ahead. I think in the propaganda they, for the balloon, they even say highly flammable hydrogen. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So so there is and 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 they show that the Germans big plan here, why they're interested in this is they want to take this technology. And there's actually a cartoon that's done. You can tell like Disney made this. Right. Because all of a sudden this cartoon pops up that's propaganda. And it's like the best animation you've seen in 1991, let alone in 1938. But <laughs> anyway, the, the it shows a bunch of like Nazi soldiers wearing jetpacks. And flying all over the world and, you know, that shows the U.S. Capitol on fire and the American flag burning and falling over. I mean, again, this is in a kid's movie and they're showing you this to just illustrate this is the danger of letting them get this rocket pack. So it leads to eventually where Jenny is taken by uh, Neville Sinclair, Timothy Dalton's character. Now he's a full out Nazi, starts speaking with a German accent. Everybody realizes this is who he is. He, a Zeppelin appears out of nowhere, and apparently they're all getting on the Zeppelin to go away from here, I presume to like an actual plane that would take them back to Germany and deliver the rocket pack, because he now has the rocket pack. Well, Cliff Secord, before he ends up, when he gets onto the Zeppelin, he flies up to the Zeppelin, I guess, and I'm trying to remember, actually, does he get on the Zeppelin flying chops? Do you remember? Does he... Yeah, he, he, he flies because he uses the jetpack right. to fight the big guy on top of the balloon. That's right, yes. Okay. And then he must go down. Then he then he throws the big guy off, and the big guy falls through that's right. okay. the window. Then he goes down there, and then they make the trade for Jenny. Yes, that's right. So he still has Jenny, so Cliff has to go get her up on the Zeppelin. I'm sorry I was foggy on that. And eventually, there is this big guy that has been, or in the whole movie, he's been the muscle uh, for Neville Sinclair. And you find out that guy is also working for the Nazis, clearly. Um, so they have, they have a point where he fights that guy on top of the Zeppelin. That guy, you know, is, is up there, but he doesn't fall. Cause he, he straps himself on. There's like this belt yes, with a chain a belt. So now he's still on the balloon, but he falls forward and, and he's kind of hanging the and glass then, in this, uh, you know, whatever the, the cockpit Zeppelin, of right. this cockpit, Zeppelin yeah. is just so breakable. <laughs> they every time something hits it, it breaks. Well, it's old. Yes. It's old glass. They man. throw a fire extinguisher at her, it breaks. Uh, they throw a guy up against it, push him up against it, it breaks. Mm-hmm. Everything they do makes it break. It's yes, made, it's, but it's made of sugar, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> like what do you expect? Sugar glass. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, keeping with the movie theme, of course. Yeah. So, eventually, the trade is made. They Cliff Secord gets Jenny back. He slides over the rocket pack, but not before carefully removing the gum which has been allowing him to fly all over creation mm-hmm. this whole time. And you, of course, see clear fluid leaking out of the jetpack, so you now know what awaits whoever uses that next. Uh, so Neville Sinclair attempts to leave what now is becoming a burning... Uh, the, the hydrogen is clearly starting to become unstable, right. and it's starting to explode. So he leaves them because this thing is now caught on fire, and he kind of says some. I forget what his and line is, he's but he says some. Because he's faithless, right? He yes, can't go of down course. with the ship. He has no, to no. He has to leave. Yes. So then, of course, he flies away, and that leads to you seeing g- green screen Timothy Dalton <laughs> with a sputtering jet plaque that explodes right in front of you, and he dies. And that leads them to figure out how to get off this exploding zeppelin. Well, they get back on top of the roof where PV has gotten a flying. Like helicopter with plane Hughes. looking thing. He's with Howard Hughes, right? He has this <laughs> helicopter plane thing that Howard Hughes has made. And they fly down, drop a rope ladder down. Big guy is still up there on top of the Zeppelin trying to stop them. They don't have a rocket pack anymore, so there's no way for them to like fly away. They have to rely on you know the plane coming. And right? all this time, they're basically outrunning... An explosion. Yeah, the explosion is like <laughs> happening in corridors of the. It, yeah, it doesn't all explode balloon. at once. That's like, the slowest possible it's, explosion. Yeah, it yeah. Is the, 
<laughs> it's comically slow how, they're how much it's exploding. It. Yeah, they are. And in, then, in, a, in a ship that we know historically, <laughs> it would burn up very quickly. Instantaneously oh, yes. goes up in flames. Yeah, okay, yeah, it doesn't. Ahead. It doesn't Again, take. Liberty. Hydrogen does not have like. I don't know. I, maybe they have chambers of gas. Who cares? The point, I don't know how they're doing this exactly. They're keeping that all separated, but they're having like, somehow they're making you think, oh yes, this will just explode in stages, even though, no, of course it won't. So anyway, they end up getting on the, the rope ladder and big guy is still tethered to the thing. He doesn't realize it till the last minute. He turns around to see the slowly exploding fire coming towards him. He of course puts his hands up and wails and then he's dead. The end of the film you have Cliff Secord, Jenny, reunited. Uh, they don't have jetpack. They talk about the jetpack. Uh, but they get a new plane dropped off by Howard Hughes. He just lands it, right? Outside yeah, he the lands Bulldog it right Cafe. outside where they live. He just flies live. a plane to the Bulldog Cafe and just lands it right in front of the restaurant. Well, yeah, duh. <laughs> yeah. So he has that. He ends up saying, you know, you, you know, this is for you. Enjoy. And that's the ending shot that you have is him getting into rolls and driving away. Uh, they leave him that. But what you do see is that Jenny has snuck out the plans. She found the plans that Jenny in PV's house. No, PV, the big guy had taken them for oh, PV. Yes. And, and then they were them. in his Nazi bookcase room. <laughs> and she <laughs> put them right. in her right. brazier and, right. and, snuck, and you know, snuck them out. I forgot. Yes. So my synopsis is going so well, I keep forgetting parts <laughs> of it. But either way, yes. So eventually she hands those to PV and says, hey, you might want this. And he starts looking at him and saying, you know, if we change the, you know, inhibitor and we do this, we could maybe, hey, Cliff. And then all of a sudden he realizes Cliff and Jenny are smooching and he says, uh, hey, Bill, come look at this. And he moves on and there you go. It's the end of your movie. So One I last thing from that last scene, Howard Hughes gives him a pack of that gum. Oh, yeah. They really, really want to make this gum important. Like, yeah, it was it was cool to, like, plug up the, right. the hole, but, like, they really push that gum. It's in all three acts of the movie. Well, and if you realize, I mean, I at first when I saw it, I was like, man, that's so stupid. Why do they have the gum be the thing? Why wouldn't, like, he just say, hey, I'll weld something on here or I'll, I'll seal it up some way that I would seal up a normal gas tank on an airplane? And then you realize, well, if he did that, there's no way the you Neville Sinclair scene happens. Right. That was their whole mm -hmm. build to that was he has to die from the gum, death by gum. So that's well, and everyone loved MacGyver back then, right? <laughs> True. So. Yes, it's a very MacGyver solution to this. So yeah, it just seems it, like they could have just had. Everybody knows what gum is. They could have just had it for that one part. <laughs> it's, it didn't need to be at the beginning and the end of well, the movie as well. It, here's what you guys don't realize: it was going to play a really important part in the second film. <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, gonna, it, was gonna it probably turn, was. It was going to turn on them and and unstick from everything they needed to be stuck together. <laughs> that is the part now because I didn't know that the last time I watched this, which is granted been a while ago, but the the. I need to go back and rewatch it now with the knowledge that they were going to make two and three and try to figure out if there was anything the in arcs. there that was like, what were they trying to drop in as a seed of well, and then down it's the P road? It's PG, so it's not very violent. So like, is Timothy Dalton, is Neville Sinclair going to make it out of that? You right. know, the crazier yeah, things right. have happened, especially in this movie, that he blows up in the sky and falls, but we they might have just died. brought him back. Yes, yeah. they, they didn't show a rotting corpse in the PG movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although there was a lot of gun use, the FBI agents in general did not care. They were no. just firing. The, when you first meet the FBI agents, one of them shoots the tire of the cop car that's in between them and the mob guy because they're he's slowing them down. So they shoot the <laughs> cop car to get him <laughs> off the chase. So it's just them and the mob guy. And yeah. then when they go to the house of Cliff and Peavy, they just open fire. They <laughs> And they that just destroy this house. Well, this house, kind of, to the point, like you've heard of the the term like Swiss cheese, 
right, Daniel? Like when oh, they yeah, shoot yeah. up a well, place. That's how this the feds is... kind of were back then, man. I'm saying I, it's like, a comical amount to the point that the porch just falls down because well, they've shot through the complete support. It, it, well, yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying that the feds back then had like pinpoint accuracy to shoot porches <laughs> off. That wasn't the point I was making. I was saying like, you know, Elliot Ness was kind of known for, for instance, uh, shooting first and asking questions later. Well, they also like, <laughs> try to charge Bigelow for the damage they make on his airfield. Yes, at the beginning do. of the movie, the he's, like, <laughs> he's like, "You come in up here, destroy one of my planes, and shoot everything up, and I owe you money." The feds, man. Yeah, it's definitely. It uh, was a pushback on Reagan and Bush, <laughs> probably. Who knows? Yeah, so that was something that, uh, yeah, it, it very much at the time. Uh, I thought was a, a movie as a kid that I enjoyed, and now as an adult, I find other reasons to enjoy it. But yeah, I would say if you haven't watched it, you've listened to this, you've heard me kind of poorly give a synopsis of it. I would say it's, it, you should go back and rewatch it. Maybe we should rank the rewatchability of this movie. It, it well, it seems like a a fun. I don't know. It it pr- delivers on everything it promises from just hearing about it. Like it sounds like it's supposed to be a fun, campy action movie, and it's. It's a fun, campy action movie, yeah. And because of that, it doesn't matter that there's some green screen work that isn't great. But they do a lot of tricks of movies that you don't well, get to see as much anymore. Like the the blimp is is a is a model at some yeah. points. Yeah, the and you never you model. almost never so, see models anymore. So is the Rocketeer. At some yeah. points, they yeah. actually used a model for that, like um, practical effects. Yeah, and they even but but they have. Let's just recount like plenty of car wrecks. They have a plane that blows up by flying into a gas tanker twice. Twice they do that. I mean, they they so have. Wait, real... Michael Bay directed this movie, is what you're telling me? <laughs> yes. I know you said so, another name earlier, but it has to be Michael Bay. Well, that's one of the reasons yeah. they. Yeah, they have a they have a stunt plane that's up in the air with a pilot who doesn't know how to fly. <laughs> that's why Cliff has to get up there in the first place. There's a shot though of they're on a biplane. Uh, the biplane is sputtering and smoking and all that, and that's of course real. You can see there's like a real biplane up in the air. Yeah. And then they have a guy walking on the wing who's wearing the Rocketeer outfit, obviously a stuntman of some kind. And then at one point, he falls off the wing, and before they get to the green screen shot of him plummeting to the earth, you see a man fall off a <laughs> wing of a plane and fall for a little bit. And then, of course, you know they cut to green screen, and he you know, figures out the jetpack, and right before he hits the ground, he, he saves it. But yeah, practical effects in this movie. Uh, it was Industrial Light and Magic who did all the effects. I was going to ask you if this was an ILM Job. it was yeah um so yeah i mean this is this they clearly had some experience with doing that stuff I, i'm just saying if you watch like the, the christopher reeve superman movies and thought i can deal with those special effects it's nothing it's as good as it was available at the time yeah. they, it, it looks at least as good as that if not slightly better even so yeah it, it's overall i mean it's a it's a movie that i enjoy i like i said if you're watching it with your kids you may have to like work around some of the nazi stuff you may seriously want to consider that if you're watching yeah. your kids but if you don't have kids you don't have to worry about that it's great i mean i think it's uh yeah fantastic movie and i've i've thoroughly enjoyed it over the years so on the leftover scale how does it rate well i'll go, I'll go talking first. about so the idea with this chop or explain to me is mark you were saying that it's uh as like the you would have to you could eat it over and over again if it's like a leftover it's easily reheatable it tastes yeah really the good. the the better the food you're describing it as is can be reheated the better the movie okay. and then you can give reasons a little bit because of the food as to why so I went with a tomato soup one because I enjoyed the waiter scene in the club and <laughs> that's what he serves soup, them yes, okay. his tomato soup and Timothy Dalton their Neville Sinclair goes 
have, how long have you worked here? And he goes, oh, well, I served you last time, which is a lie because it's Cliff in disguise, but yeah. Neville doesn't know because he's a bad he guy and know. doesn't pay attention yeah. to waiters. Right. <laughs> he um, doesn't but, know waiters. That's, yes, exactly. I like that one. And the reason it's a tomato soup is because it's a, it's a lighter, adventurous movie. You know, soup's not going to fill you up. It's right. just a, it's a quick watch. But only about comforting. an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. And, and you can heat it up real easily and enjoy your soup. Okay. Uh, yeah, I will say that I'm actually I'm actually going to say it's pizza, but I'll say it's cold pizza because some other like reheating there is a little prep work needed. Like you may have to, you know, try to do you know if you're reheating like mac and cheese or something, you might just add a little water to the bowl or something so it gets a little bit of steam and it yeah. fluffs up the mac and cheese or the spaghetti a little bit. Like this, you don't have to even microwave it. It's just good as is. You don't have to prep yourself for it. There's no. Like just go watch it. Yeah, so and you're good. If, so if like Shawshank Redemption is reheated pizza because it's a it's a it's a movie that you can watch anytime it's on. But y- yeah, you it, it's a more uh, di- not difficult, but thoughtful. No, it's yeah, it's 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 well, so it's it a takes a little t- mental preparation. You, yeah. You're right. Whereas, you can find a piece of cold pizza at either 3 a.m. or 3 p.m. and just <laughs> and stick just it in your mouth and eat it, and you're you're good. That's the Rocketeer. There's little to no thought that needs to go into this. You go watch it. It's enjoyable. Yeah, I, I think it's a great movie. I think it holds up really well. Awesome. Well, thanks for... Uh, now I will go watch it, now that you've set up all these expectations. Uh, <laughs> and I will, I'm sure... It sounds like, again, like it, it gives, well, you know, promises, uh, delivers on what it promises. So, uh, and, and T-Bone, thanks for joining us today. I know that uh, you will probably be back in not in the too distant future talking about uh, other nerd things, but appreciate you bringing the Rocketeer to us today. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me, and I look forward to coming back on soon. And if folks, you're if you're interested in uh, learning more about Nerd Association or even perhaps uh, appearing as one of our nerds, uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter. That is nerd underscore associ. That's N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. Or you can email us, nerdassoc at gmail.com. For my fellow nerd, Mark Finch, I'm Daniel Barnett. We'll see you next week. Keep it nerdy. And cut. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>